Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dita Randolph. And I am Jenny Randolph. And we are back for the third week in our Meaning Fulfilled workshop series. And as you know, the first week is a presentation where I stand up and I do a workshop. And then weeks two, three, and four are a conversation where we try to unpack some of the ideas. We answer some of the questions that have been sent in, that sort of thing. And the overarching theme is the first week of the discussion is about the big picture. The second week, like today, Mm -hmm. is about how it feels in your heart, in your life, getting your act together. And then the final week of discussion has to do with living this out in the world. And so that's what you can expect. I just want to remind everybody that if you haven't already done so, the book... I was going to say, you know, if you're Ask not for it by name, yeah, if yeah. you're not going to plug it, I'm going to like plug Carol it. Merrill, yeah, I love it but, though. Yeah, it, it feels really good in your hands. You're going to want to touch it. You're so going to want to buy read it, it. It's just right. feel, buy it for the tactile. Absolutely, uh, and it's also Absolutely. an excellent paperweight. But um, <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. We've gotten some great feedback from people. Please keep it coming. With no further ado, let's get right into it and have our opening prayer. God is, and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is, and so it does. Amen. Now, one of the things that you didn't say is how they can purchase the book. So there's a couple of ways. You got to know a guy. <laughs> Unfortunately, you do. You you know <laughs> us. And we're going to And we're going to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're going to tell you how to do it. So you can go to amazon.com obviously, but if you're really not wanting to go to Amazon and go through the whole search process, you can go to Dieter's website waypastok.com and he has a books page and you can click on the link and you can pre-order it. It is going to be available September 1st and yeah, you can pre-order you it can now. You can pre-order it now. And I think and it's, you can get it the is Kindle out on copy. Kindle. Now. Yeah, so if you have a Kindle like I do, you can read it that way right now. And but if it, you want an actual paper copy to hold in your hands, like you, you prefer that. You know, I hate to admit We're it. We're kind because of a separate, a separated household. There are because so many things about what we do where I really try to be environmentally conscious. We recycle everything. We compost. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we pay attention to how often we drive the car. We do everything we can think to do. But it's a vice of mine. I really, really kind of need the paper book. You know, I need to hold it, and I like to write in the margins and and dog ear the pages and yeah, all and of I'm, that. Is I'm the I'm the opposite. I I live and die by my Kindle. Well, I'll it's tell like, you what. There was a book that you ordered for me, and it came in the mail, and I you know, and I was unpacking stuff, and it was a book, and I was like, oh, Dieter's what reading is this. this he's like, he's device. like, he's like, no, I bought it for you, and I'm like, but I could have bought it on my Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. But I will say. 
at some point when the world starts to open up again, and that's going to be before too long, we're going to have a book signing, maybe more than one, at some bookstores here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. And so be on the lookout for that. I got to tell you, it's going to be real hard for me to sign your Kindle without also ruining it. So, you know, that's <laughs> true. That in that, mind. That's true. I, I have. I'll, I'll give you that. I could, but yeah. I think we, we complement each other well, as always. You know, we're somewhere in the middle of all of this. Um, it's okay. I'll save the planet for us. And I will no. ruin it to my utmost. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's get started with today. And as Dieter said at the top um, of this video, we are talking about these ideas as it personally applies to you. So yeah. we're and really... A, a big hunk of the book is about here's how it ought to feel. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's it's kind of an important thing. I think so often when you're on these the spiritual path when you're trying to figure it out even in the self-help world there's a lot of explanation and there's a lot of action but there's not a whole lot in that middle piece which is a really important piece which is well how does it actually feel what does it work like and feel like and think like so to speak in you and so I think that there needs to be more attention paid to it. I paid a lot of attention to it in the book, and I'm so grateful for this conversation today. Yeah, and we want to start with the question today that you address in the book again. But the question overall is, why do you do the things that you do? Yeah. And this is, you know, maybe the last time you were asked that question was when you were a teenager. You right. Know, Why are you doing this? What's with the haircut this? and the tattoo? You're ruining your life. And the, but, I, and the answer was like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing anything. And to be honest, that might be the answer well, right right now. I, I know that for me, um, at the beginning of this year, mm -hmm. um, one of my quote unquote New Year's resolutions was to really be more intentional sure. and to I think, it's think secret about to a lot of things. Right. Why why I was doing what I was doing. And so that question came up a lot for me. Okay, well, why are you doing this? Well, why do you feel compelled to do X, Y, and Z right at this moment? And when your parents ask you that question when you're a teenager, they were mostly wondering what you're doing with your bangs and the, the piercings <laughs> and the tattoos and why are you listening to the ACDC or whatever. But I wasn't allowed. I got in trouble for listening to ACDC. But now you can listen but to it. But now I can listen to it. You know, and you know what's really funny is that's one of Miles's was one of Miles's favorite bands when he was like figuring out, you know, it's in the what DNA. he, what he you know, and I thought so. I thought I think oh, Watson and Crick proved that. It actually that. was a proud moment for me. Right. <laughs> I was like, I yes. It. But one of my kids is, likes it. There's actually a, a, a spiritual thing that goes on there because as you mentioned, for a lot of people, the why why you do what you do is unconscious. It's tacit. The idea is, well, I just do because I'm supposed to. Why do you? Why do I work my job? Because I, I got to get paid. I need food. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a deep pursuit. Right. And I get that. But I got to say that happiness comes. Fulfillment comes. The, the big things that you're really hungry for and homesick for come when you start to be a little bit more intentional. Take a minute and go, no, why am I doing this? It could be, for example, the reason you're angry with somebody isn't about anything that they did. It's about the way that you feel. And if you start to ask the question, you can start to locate the answer in, well, what if I felt differently about that? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I don't have to hate that guy. You know, little things like that. But And the, the answer of why you do what you do 
can have a spectrum of specific answers. I do what I do because of this specific situation or this specific situation or this set of circumstances. But when you filter past the details, the why you do what you do question can really be put in one of two categories. There's really only two big answers to that question. And here goes. Do you do what you do to feel good or do you do what you do to not feel bad. That's the thing. At the end of the day, that's it. Did you do what you do because you wanted to feel good or did you do what you did because you didn't want to feel bad? That's really where it comes from. And the thing is that feels, you know, at, at first glance, it feels like, well, those are similar things. Yeah, don't they're, they, they're, don't they're they mean the same close, thing? But, but the thing is, it really is a very significant difference. Do you do what you do because you want to feel smart or because you just don't want to feel dumb? Right. Do you do what you do because you want to live the dream or is it because you just want the nightmare to end? You know, when you really start to think about it, these are profound differences. And that difference, it can be huge in your life. There's a lot of people who get up extra early and work on their to-do list and listen to all the self-help tapes or CDs or MP3s or whatever in their car. And they're doing all the quote unquote things, quote unquote, right. But they're not doing it because they have a calling in their heart because they want to do something big. They're doing it because they feel like they've got to earn the right to, to be happy yeah. or something to that effect. Well, it reminds me of, we take walks in the morning several times a week. We typically... Um, we typically walk for about three miles or so and we get a cup of coffee at the end and we have really good conversations yeah. and it's good for our health and it makes us feel good. It's a really good start to the day. But oftentimes what we see when we, when we go on there, remember that guy that we used to see a, a lot of times? I don't, we don't see him very often anymore, but he would, he would just be, he'd be running a little bit and then he'd get to a bench and then he'd be like doing this pushups and, and it, yeah, it was it, like, you he could was like someone him. was chasing him. Yeah. You run, could, run, run, push up, push up, push up. And the, he had the look on his face of abject fear. Right. It like, was, and, he was and not like we used to call him the, the don't, yeah, we used to call him the don't die guy yeah. because he was like, don't, like, die, don't, don't die, die, don't die, die don't die, die. don't die. And, and, and it was so clear because here we were just kind of enjoying the morning, getting a good start to our day, getting some physical and exercise. And you could see people who were working out way oh, yeah, more vigorously he, he, than us yeah, who looked you know, like they were I mean, enjoying themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know? But this guy, he just stuck out like a sore thumb yeah. because it was it was the don't die guy. Yeah. And he wasn't out there to enjoy the morning or even enjoying the exercise. He was out there to prevent something bad from happening. Well, and that's the thing. And, and it is, it is a, a significant difference. If you live your life like you're trying to fill a hole, mm -hmm. you know, if I can just get these things done on my to-do list, if I can just make this amount of money, if I can get just, just get this person to pay attention to me, then I deserve to go to bed and rest mm -hmm. at, at, that night and start this nightmare cycle all over again. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if that is your paradigm, you'll always be filling that hole. It's bottomless. And I have to say that there's an evolutionary or at least a, a, a societal precedent for this. When you think about it, at the beginning of things with humanity, where another animal would evolve a solution to a problem, humans 
invent a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, another animal would might evolve a longer beak or the ability to be underwater for longer, stuff like that. We invent scuba gear or we invent a different way to build a shelter. We invent pants, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. There's that kind of a feeling to it. And it's it's unique to humans, at least mostly, you know. But when you really think about it, the the goal behind those inventions is always the same. And the goal is, you made me think of it, don't die. Right. Right. We invented scuba gear so we don't die underwater. We invented pants so we don't die of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. We invented shelter so we don't die from lion attacks. And don't die is fine. For a, for a time. Yeah. When for a, a certain time, period in the development of our species, don't die is fine. Mm-hmm. But don't, dry, don't die isn't great. Right. Don't die won't let you live. Well, It'll it, just keep you from, from dying. dying. And yeah. that is the same I love difference. That. Say, between, that, say that one more time. Don't die won't let you live. It'll just keep you from dying. Right. And the thing is, if the don't die paradigm is all you know, and when you think about, but look at the commercials you see. Your floors are a nightmare. You need this new wax. Well, obviously, you're not going to die from a dirty floor, but it's the same. I'm patching a hole. I'm fixing a problem. This is bad. So it's problem-oriented. Right. And by extension, it's death-oriented. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing to know about. Ask yourself, the, the reason I want to buy that product, is it because I, I don't want to die? You well, know? it's atrophy, right? Yeah. It's just like every, it's, you're, it, it's, it's, it's trying to prevent the natural... Um, evolution yeah. of this so, the natural the natural outcome because because again we go back to the old thing that we talk about all the time is that facts and truth right mm-hmm. you know and the th- your material things they are going to go away because they're not the truth about you but if that's what you're chasing again this is all this thing. is all interconnected right this is and all so, inter- intertwined and so ask yourself how much of what you do is under the don't die paradigm I argue here. Well, think about it. I, and I, I know I'm la- no, I'm laughing at myself because because it as, seems as, silly, but it's like, as much as I try. I know that if I really sat down today and think about it, there's probably five things that was that are under the don't die yeah. category. And obviously, once again, you're not going to die from a dirty floor, but extend that out. But Am extend, I doing it? Yeah, exactly. Because, because I want to feel good or because I don't want to feel bad. It's that's it's right. the same question with right. with different words around it. And the problem is. We've got to evolve past the Mm -hmm. don't die paradigm because it is time for us to truly live. When you think about it, there are very serious problems in our society. There's lots of people who don't have a roof over their heads, and we do want to address that. But by and large, as a culture, I'm not going to confront a lion today. You know what I mean? Uh, We've solved a lot of those don't die problems. But if we keep thinking in that same pattern, all we're going to do, and if you think about it, you'll see that this is true. All we're going to do is keep inventing new adversaries, new problems, new diseases, new things like that. It happens. Look at the history of humanity. And that cycle is going to keep continuing where we make new bad guys because the don't die paradigm is an adversarial paradigm. We're going to keep inventing reasons to hate and fear something. And that is at the core of a lot of the problems that we face as individuals, that we face as a society and so on. So here's the alternative. Decide that you can do something that makes you live instead of something that just keeps you from dying. This is a huge difference and a huge deal. And I've talked to a lot of people about the why you do what you do question. And at the end of the day, you know, like I said, different people have different vocabulary around it. But at the end of the day, the answer is usually something like, 
I'm, I'm fighting bees through my life because I have to earn the right to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want to earn the right to, to, to survive. You know, uh, mom and dad didn't give me the attention I needed or I've got heartache in my past or whatever. And that's all totally valid. But you're always going to be fighting that same battle until you decide this very simple thing. Are you ready? This is something to write down. Meaning is not earned. Right. Meaning is not earned. You don't earn the right to have meaning any more than you earn God's love, any more than you earn gravity or thermodynamics, any more than you earn the oxygen that you breathe. And if you believe you've got to earn your happiness, you're missing the point. Happiness happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and your job is to enjoy it and to share it. And in so doing, you create more. This dovetails with that breeder reactor conversation that mm-hmm. we had last, last week. Yeah. If if it increases when it's shared, which is what we talked about last week, the, the counterpart to that idea is that it is unearned. When you think about meaning, when you think about happiness, inspiration, love, you don't earn it. And if I've got to earn your love, do you really love me? Right. Can you imagine yeah. Jesus going, yeah, I'll heal you, but, you know, let's see you dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's weird, right? Um, but, I mean, that's the deal. We don't do it that way. How many times are you doing the dance in your life? Right. To get some kind of a feeling of but healing. But it's, it's true. This I know, really you know, we make, we make a joke out of it, but it's true. <laughs> it's a weird uh, mental image, I got to yeah, say. Yeah, but, it, but, it but it's so important to have just these absurd mental images because it really takes you out of it. And it, it does make you realize, I, I am doing this stupid dance for someone in yeah. my life. Why? Why am I doing this? It's like I always say, yeah. I don't buy flowers to make you love me. I buy flowers because we love each other. Well, because you and, know I like flowers. And it seems like the same thing, and, and but it's I not. And if I didn't like flowers and you still bought them for me, well, that's kind of passive aggressive. Yeah. No, you're going to like these flowers. <laughs> you're going to like let's these flowers. I, I, let's see you that's dance. That's going to be the shirt. I let's know, see right? Let's see you dance. But <laughs> you get the idea. So the point of all of this is once again, There are things that you can do that you do because you feel good, that things that that are growth things for you, Mm -hmm. things that are fulfilling to you. There are things that you can do on that level. And the more you do those things, instead of fighting the imaginary boogeyman of, I I, got to do this so that I don't feel bad. Because if you do that, you're always going to have that adversary. And frankly, you're always going to be feeling bad. You can't win that fight. And you probably know that if you look back at your own history. There's an important aspect of this here because we have been talking about other people Uh uh, being, you know, dancing for other people. But honestly, I think my biggest adversary sometimes is myself. 100%. I'm living up to this, this weird internal expectation for myself and these goals that are like impossible and you have to be you know don't look like you're aging don't look like you're having any kind of trouble you know make sure your house is clean enough make sure your your kids are you know and 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 90 percent of the time those those other people those judges that we've set up for ourselves are not thinking about you and when you really because they're thinking about about themselves and they you know fighting their own battles and dancing for their own salvation exactly so i do think that there are circumstances with a boss with a significant other with your children but but 90 percent of the time i was gonna say yeah. It is, it is, this is an internal challenge that you face because my, again, my biggest adversary is when things get still and quiet, who gets to talking? Oh, 
that person, yeah, you know, three in the morning dialogue you have with yourself about that thing you did in fifth grade yeah. that no one else even remembers. You yeah, know? most people have an inner child. I think I have an inner old lady, that, <laughs> and she is angry. And she is get. She's like, but, get off my lawn. Yeah. No, no, honestly, she's but that's she's, the thing. She's and mad. When you really think about it, <laughs> the idea that other people are so wrapped up in the actions that you took in a day, mm-hmm. that's a little egotistical it when is. you think about it. It is. And we're here to let go of the ego. Doing what you do to not die mm-hmm. is like saying, I don't want my ego to end because that's the death that right. we're talking about. And so what well, it's it really, the existential It's the death. existential right. death, the death of the ego. Mm-hmm. And so- we're going to get to the place where we go, you know what? I don't care what happens to me. I've got to do this thing that's in my heart to do. That's the hero moment. And that's what's on the table right now. So once again, why do you do what you do? I just realized that this is an amazing excuse for when I have my crazy ideas and my things like that. I'd be like, Dieter, you told me. I got to do this. I, to, I got to do this. This is how I feel alive. This is <laughs> And then I'm outside painting something. Yeah, right, yeah. It's fair. Is it, don't you feel alive too? Because you're yeah. now you're doing, yeah. no. And I think it's just the fumes. Yeah, but probably. No, no. <laughs> I I get your meaning, but it's worth it to, to get to that place. Agreed, agreed. And part of that has to do with not caring about what other people say. Care about the people, but don't care about what they say. Mm-hmm. Don't care about what they think. And that sounds flippant and it sounds really easy. It like, does. well, I don't care about what people say. And come on now. I want you to be real, real honest with yourself. You do. <laughs> you care about what your neighbors think. And and you care about what other people and, and your peer group and things like that. Just have a moment. You don't have to say it out loud, but just have a moment of honesty with yourself right now that, yeah, everybody cares about what people think but to a certain what extent. What I'm saying is I've got a couple of people in my life who I have a lot of heroes, but I have a couple of people in my life who are absolutely heroic in how weird they are. Mm-hmm. I know I know a guy who is a poet and a performance artist and he is wonderful and brilliant. And I talk to him now and again and everyone every time I talk to him, he's doing something completely weird. I'm like, how do you even make a living doing these things? And my judgment is this is not responsible or reasonable. And yet every time I see him or talk to him, he is thriving and flourishing. It would not surprise me at all to see him on television or also to see him building a house on the median strip of a highway, which you're not supposed to do. It, it, it It just it doesn't mean anything for him to live by someone else's rules. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really heroic. Care about people, but don't be defined, that's the difference, by what they say and right. do and think. And that change in attitude will shift something in your heart. Because just as we said a moment ago, you are your own worst judge, your yep. inner old lady, your yeah. inner get off. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember the workshop that we did with the labels thing for the teenagers. I do. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. The, the basic idea was we had a sheet of, of, you know, like pretty good sized stickers. Mm-hmm. And we had the teens write on the stickers. We passed out all the labels. We passed out Sharpies or whatever. And we had the, the teens write the labels that they feel that they carry. And there's positive ones, you know. Yeah, we ask them not to just keep it positive like, you know, good friend or... Mm-hmm. Straight A student you know, or whatever. Uh, um, smart. Um, we ask them to write on them things that maybe 
um, something that their parents or somebody in a in an authority role had told them that didn't feel very yeah, good. What are people saying like, about you? That kind you know, of stuff. Yeah. people say that I'm lazy. People call me a liar. People call me. You know, a witch with a with a bee, <laughs> well, kind of kind of an idea, and, and, we, to, yeah. and we did. We let them really just sort of unleash and, and write all of these all of these labels and down. It was interesting because it was. I think it was cathartic for the teens to write those things, but smart teens, they you could see the wheels turning that they were expecting that. Okay, now I'm going to put these on myself, and it's going to feel good when I take them off or whatever. But what we did instead was. You're going to walk around the room and put those labels on other, other people, people. Yeah. And really feel how you feel to to put that on somebody else. And it was super easy for them to put on smart on somebody, yeah. uh, you know, or motivated or so most people or pretty had or be- the bad you know, half of their sticker sheet left way and, till the end. And it was really interesting to watch because you saw an apology. You're like, I don't really think this of you. I'm sorry. I just have to put it on somebody else, you know? And so, so they would, they would, you know, and I think we stood at the, at the front of the room, mm-hmm. um, for people that couldn't do that, and I said, "Okay, just use put me. It on me. Yeah. Put put it put it all put all the bad labels on me. If you can't find anybody else right. that you really..." So we had a lot of interesting labels. I'm glad yeah. there's no pictures of that. <laughs> but the the point is that it, there was there was two lessons. It in was there. difficult for them. And one of the lessons was, see how that feels mm-hmm. when you label somebody else, and think about the fact that. You're doing that to yourself Mm -hmm. and realize that you have the choice to not do that to yourself or to somebody else, because all of those labels are external things and feel that it's just like a sticker. So part of the lesson was you have a choice about that. Mm -hmm. There's a deeper you that cannot be labeled. But then the other part of the lesson was it felt so good. How does it feel to take Take those labels off? Right. And realize that that's not the truth about you because the labels come and go and you're still you. It has to do with understanding that this meaning idea is a big idea that is manifest differently in each and every person. The details of your journey to meaning are your own. And so, so much of this has to do with giving a little bit of, as you say, grace and space to people to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Remember when we were homeschooling the kids? Yeah, it, well, it, that's a that's a perfect example of how two individuals, same parents, shared DNA, mm-hmm. same you know uh, extended family, all of it. And not that far apart in years. Yeah, they're or, about three and a half years yeah, apart. All of that. You know, again, you know, same same environment. Watch the same shows. Listen essentially, to the same this, essentially the same diet. All of it. You know, so mm-hmm. so in a in a scientific Name a factor. Yeah, yeah, in a scientific experiment, you know, here's Close the, here's the con- the control group, yeah, right? Right. So when we started to teach Raina. Um, she was very serious. Everything was very organized. We had, you know, um, books that she loved and she could sit at, at the table and, and do her work. And in fact, she preferred that. Well, and our daughter would do this thing where she would get all of her puzzles and she would get all of the frames because kids puzzles come in like a cardboard Mm -hmm. frame that has the edges already defined and she would lay all the frames out and get all the puzzles in a big pile all the pieces in a big pile and she would just go it was like she was yeah she would do like six or seven puzzles at a time it was a little it was a little 
little crazy. Yeah, we knew that, but, you know, but anyway, brilliant mind, also possible serial killer. But <laughs> but she was, she, just she, everything, everything was, was taught, you know, very, yeah. right? And anyway, so I had all of these materials and all of these, all of this homeschool material and everything was stored away. And, but then our son came along, Miles came along and... I thought, oh my gosh, I have all of this material. I am ready for him. I'm ready to teach because this. Because clearly Everything. I know how to teach uh, I've been, a child. I've been teaching yeah. for a while now and I, I, I've got this. And exactly zero of what worked that for Raina. didn't even like the same brand of pacifier no, when he was little. We thought we knew everything. worked yeah. for him. I had to unlearn, relearn he didn't like the same kind of books that Raina liked. No, he, he wasn't would, interested in puzzles no, he, at all. He did everything completely everything, different. Everything, even it down was, to the point where Raina, you know, and and I did test the kids about how there's certain tests that you can do when you're starting homeschooling or when you're starting are schooling. Are they auditory? Are about they visual? How they learn? Or, are yeah. they visual? Are they auditory? Um, do they learn by touch? That kind of stuff. And even down to the fact that he could not. Um, hear a lecture or hear you talking about something and retain it. He actually had to physically touch it. So early math we did with M&Ms and Cheerios because he mm-hmm. had to physically touch stuff. But I That's had to. That's still how I balance the checkbook. Well, you know, abacus, abacus boy. <laughs> but but the point is, is that even under the same circumstances, again, with all of that stuff in common, um, you have these two individuals that it didn't mean anything to Miles. Those books and puzzles that Raina absolutely adored, he could have cared less about. And the stuff that really and the stuff that lit stuff the fuse for him, him wasn't interesting it, to her. Exactly. Give and yourself permission to absolutely. do that too. Understand that, first of all, 99% of the time, most people aren't putting those labels on you. They're your things that you're doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. But one way or another, all of it is a choice. There is something bigger inside of you than than anything outside of you and you get to decide to be defined by that instead Mm -hmm. here's the deal as we've said before we want you to think of yourself as the hero of a story the event yeah the event of you you are this heroic event you are think about any story anyone you want star wars harry potter things from the bible things from folklore fairy tales over and over again that story is repeated and at the beginning of the story there's this moment where the hero realizes that they've got some kind of gift some kind of power some right. kind of magic thing harry potter is given his father's invisibility cloak right you know those moments where you've had this thing there's this magic ring that's been in the cupboard all this time what are you going to do about it you know it's it's mm-hmm. that thing all of a sudden you find out that you are royalty and nobody knew it and now you got to go reclaim the throne and then the fairy tale begins it's that story and what i want people to know is that just like every hero, you are born with certain gifts. We call them boons, B-O-O-N-S. Mm-hmm. You're given certain boons. The heroic, just like, the heroic yeah. boons yeah. In, in, in any kind of epic story. Yeah. You know, they're and given they're given gifts. Even um, Clash of the Titans, yeah, that, here's that the, wonderful movie. Yeah, the old a, one with a, Lawrence Olivier yeah, and, 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 and uh, a Harry young Hamlin. Harry Hamlin, yeah. right? Yeah, dreamy. But, <laughs> well, but he's given the three gifts, but you know, in, in the think arena. Of, think of a story. Amazing. Any story. And it's your story too. Here are the gifts that you were born with and you may not know you have them, but just like in any hero story, you must claim these gifts in order to proceed with your adventure. Mm -hmm. And 
the gifts specifically, these are the things, the three things that you and me and everybody are born with. And the first gift is the gift of freedom. Now, it may not always seem like you're free. Oh, I'm constrained by my financial situation, mm -hmm. my societal situation. I get that. But on a fundamental level, you are free to think as you will. I was going to say, no nobody can controls you, your thoughts. Yeah, you have dominion in yeah. here and in here. Mm -hmm. You can think and feel and process those thoughts and feelings however you want. And a big part of your beginning on this hero's journey is to own the fact that no one else can think for you, can feel for you, and you have choices in all of that. Yeah, sometimes it might take some unlearning, mm -hmm. some archaeology, as we say, to get to that place where you're like, oh, wait a minute, I think that way because that's how they used to think in my house growing up and it never felt right, so now I'm going to do it different. Mm -hmm. You know, you may have to do some of that work, but that work begins when you acknowledge the fact that you are free. But Freedom that goes, is your key gift. But that goes back to the very first question that we asked, why do you do the things that you do? Mm -hmm. And so if you combine that with the thought that you are absolutely free to choose why you do the things that you do. And do it that to is a boon. enhance your freedom yes, and instead of restrict your thought. Exactly. That's huge. So that freedom is counterbalanced by the second gift that each and every one of us is born with. And that is <clears throat> each and every one of us is born with a calling. Mm -hmm. Each and every one of us has a yearning, a hunger, a homesickness for meaning Mm -hmm. A homesickness for freedom, for love, for truth. We all yearn for that. Everyone needs to be happy, to experience good. When you think about people who've done the worst things in your life, they were doing it because they were trying to make something good happen. They just had a lousy set of tools with which to do it. And some bad ideas. Yeah, so yeah. we don't fix the motivation. We fix the skill set, mm -hmm. right? So once again, understand that you and I and everybody else, we are homesick. For greatness, for love, we are hungry for meaning. So you have this calling, you have this freedom. Those things balance each other out. And those two things are expressed through the third gift. And the third gift that each and every person is born with is tribe. And community. You are born in a community. Yeah. You are born in a tribe. When you think about the way that other animals are born with instincts that let them be functional very, very quickly, we humans, as Joseph Campbell says, are born 20 years too soon. You know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. it's That's yeah. kind of the yeah. deal. In a, in a very real way, we humans require the presence of other humans in order to get going with yeah. our lives. And in fact, forever. As I always say, it's the reason why. You know, you've got a home theater or whatever, but it's still fun to go to the movies, even though popcorn costs a million dollars and you're sitting next to some nitwit on his cell phone well, and or whatever. you watch baseball yeah. on TV, but being Man, at... going being, to a but game, being, going to huge. a game, there's nothing like it. It's one it. of the reasons this quarantine is really hitting home for people is we're realizing how tribal we are. We're five minutes from our stadium. Yeah. We live five minutes from the stadium and <laughs> well, it's so and, close. You know, obviously, the elephant in the room is being able to go to church. It's these yeah. things. It's yeah. a reason why we... We need those things, and it's a reason why the quarantine thing is is really uh, impactful to people. We live in an age where you can get a personalized news feed on your phone, but we're starting to realize that none of that scratches the itch because the itch is this gift we have of tribe. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, your tribe is what helps you decide what happened in the past 
that's meaningful and worth carrying forward. Well, I was going to say, what yeah. are your traditions? What do you carry forward? What's in, what right. becomes important to you? So yeah. the big deal, here's the lesson from all of this. Just like the hero goes, okay, here's my magic sword and my shield and my helmet or whatever it is. Here's my powers that I didn't know that I had. In the same way, if you want to start this journey, acknowledge and enhance your freedom, your calling, and, and your, your tribe. And your tribe, your community. Learn how to honor those things. Learn how to listen to those things. And amazing things are going to happen for you. Do you do what you do to honor your gifts? Or do you do what you do to try and stay small? Because make no mistake, each and every one of us is on a journey. And just like every hero's journey, it starts in a hostile, boring place. Mm -hmm. The hero's journey starts in a place that I call have to. You know, why do I do my job? I do yeah. it because I have to. I have to pay the bills. I have to put up with these people. I have to wash the dishes. And everybody's got have-tos in sure, their life. have-tos are part of life. Yeah. But there's an amazing thing that happens when we move out of the land of have-to and into the world of want-to. Want-to is the place where I do what I do because... I, I want to. I yeah. want to. This feels good to do. I do what I do because this makes sense to me to do. Nobody's telling me to do it. I'm doing it because I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. The difference between want to and have to is monumental. It's revolutionary. It's huge. And I got to tell you, most self-help books that you read are there to help you get out of have to and, and into, into want, want to. to. Yeah. But here's the I problem agree. with want to. Want to should only be the middle point in the journey. It should not be the end of the journey. Because want to is the land of ego. Because I'm only doing what I want and you don't know everything. Want to people are never going to be completely happy because they're too busy looking at their reflection in the mirror and taking selfies. Want to people have a happier life than have to people, but one, two people are bound to be frustrated because there is another land just beyond the horizon. It is the <laughs> land of called to. Yeah. Why do you do what you do? I don't do it because I have to do it. I don't even do it because I want to do it. I do it because I, I, am, ha I, yeah. I am it. I do it yeah, because I'm I am called. called. Right. I do it because there's this burning in my heart that I finally learned right. how to listen to. And if you want to be that hero, if you want to complete this journey, ask yourself, what am I called to do? It might not be a long list right now, but as we said last time, Get good at developing that muscle. There are things you're called to do. Generically, you're called upon to love and be loved. You're called upon to grow. You're called upon to understand and feel your way through this life. What are the things that are more specific to your situation that can help you do that? God has given you three gifts. Honor those gifts and you'll be on the way to something amazing. And with that in mind, I want to thank you for all of the amazing uh, feedback that we've gotten. Keep it coming. I want to thank you for buying the book and all of that. Thanks for all the people that have said they've pre-ordered. Thanks for spreading the word and sharing that. And most of all, thank you for supporting this church. Mm -hmm. You can do that by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com. Let's take our opportunity to give together. God is, God is my, my source, my, my unending supply. supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is and so it does. Amen.
Amen. And finally, I want to remind you that wherever you are watching this, you're not alone because around here we pray as a family. Let's say our dedication prayer together. God, God I'm, I'm ready, ready for change. change. My, My heart, heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. Amen. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.